0: Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... Chris Prather. How do we know each other?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, we met together when we uh, both attended school at the University of Central Oklahoma Mm -hmm. for our undergrads. So that's initially how we met. Mm -hmm. I think we also, we had a couple classes together. Didn't we do that film scoring class? Yeah, film scoring. So we had film scoring with Patrick Conlon over there. I really liked that class. Uh, That was a great class.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. What do you do? (laughs) So I'm a music composer currently. I'm studying um, music composition at Oklahoma City University. Mm. Um, Pursuing a master's
0: degree. Sweet. We are very similar in that sense. Um, So let's go all the way back. Uh. How did you first get started doing music?
1: Mm, yeah. So the the first instrument I started learning how to play was guitar. Okay. When I was like eight years old, I started taking a few lessons. Mm. And then eventually I stopped taking lessons but I kept playing. And around like sixth grade, I decided I wanted to try joining band so I could learn how to play drums as well. Because yeah. I really wanted to, initially I always wanted to be like a rock star and oh, like yeah. play all the Everyone. different instruments and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So that's I joined band that way and did percussion, so I could try to learn drums. Mm. And then eventually, I started liking that music too, and stuck with yeah, it. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, what What made you want to be a rock star? Like, what were you listening to that you were like, "This is what I want to be"?
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> I think like some of the yeah,
1: some music I was listening to is um, Dream Theater a lot. I like yeah, them yeah. a lot. I like a lot of um, I guess hard rock, classic rock stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, System of a Down is oh, another yeah. like, band <laughs> yeah. I love a lot. Just because I, I love their like, it's super aggressive, heavy in your face. And then they have moments where it's also like light, yeah, yeah. acoustic guitar. But it's like super drastic changes back yeah. and forth. So and I like that. It's still really political and like yeah. having a message. <laughs> I think that's another thing, like wanting to do that is like having the freedom to do what you want when you want and state your mind. And yeah. you're not... I don't know. You're not being controlled or working on someone else's for someone else's
0: ideals. I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, as a contrast, what are you listening to now? What inspires you now? <laughs> so actually,
1: I still listen to System the Down. I still listen Great. to all that stuff. That uh, mesmerized album, hypnotize that stuff. Mm. But I guess like classical music wise stuff, I like to listen to. Is I like a lot of Stravinsky, Rite of Spring. I like Beethoven a lot. Mm. For orchestral works. <laughs> what else? I also like a lot of film score music. Yeah. Specifically because I think the orchestration is really interesting. And they combine a lot of like electronic and mm-hmm. orchestral instruments together. I think it creates a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah. So like I like a lot of like John Powell, Harry Griggs and Williams. or mm-hmm. some like
0: newer yeah. ones I like a lot. <laughs> uh, freaking Michael Giacchino just stealing yeah. all the jobs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So at what point were you like, I guess, like getting out of high school and you decide music is what I have to do?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. So it was tough because, well, when I was in high school, I I did write music a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I didn't write it for, um, I guess, classical music instruments. Sure, I, I would write like stuff for guitar, drums, like rock stuff and in in the i was in a band in high school so we we were mainly a cover band but i still wrote my own music on Mm. the side and then um oh yeah so eventually um i just i started thinking well i think it'd be really cool if i just started doing like film composition Mm. because i always thought that was interesting i like i like how like when you're a a film composer you're writing for emotion and a story on screen i think that allows you to create stuff for a very specific scenario like like tone poems and stuff like that Mm. same thing with film composition but i thought that would be cool to be a film composer i thought that stuff's really Mm -hmm. cool so when i got into college i started writing my own stuff like in logic i downloaded (laughs) illegally downloaded (laughs) everyone does logic and started just like Listen, writing. My like,
0: my version <laughs> of finale is not a real version of finale, and I freaking hate finale. So like, you know, allegedly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so So when I was in um
1: yeah at the beginning of college, I started like writing little like film cues, I guess, on Logic using like the samples yeah, libraries yeah. that came with it. Allegedly cracked copy, of Logic. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, eventually, I decide I want to be a composer full time. Mm-hmm. And start taking lessons during my undergrad mm. with uh, Dr. Sam McGrill. Mm-hmm. And then decided I wanted to do that full time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what were you majoring in in your undergrad?
1: Well, originally I was majoring in um, music education. Mm-hmm. And then I decided I really didn't want to go that route. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do um, performance, percussion performance. Because... Uh, the University of Central Oklahoma didn't offer a an undergrad, undergrad composition. composition. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, like We're we clearly both, both upset about this. Uh- <laughs> so I did a minor instead, still mm-hmm. took private lessons, did a recital and everything,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then used that stuff for a portfolio to do the master's in yeah, composition.
0: Kind of, um, uh, Patrick actually had a, a kind of a philosophy about like yeah. why there shouldn't be an undergrad composition and i like somewhat agree with them like but in the general same, for all colleges or yeah, for just yeah. uco or like in general mm. um and i i see what he means is that like having a general music musical understanding um on something like maybe it's your major instrument or maybe it's education or whatever and then sort of expanding on that knowledge to be like okay well now I can compose music rather than like spending your whole time composing yeah um I see what it what the merit of that is I don't necessarily disagree or agree with it but yeah <laughs>
1: that's yes yeah, and I think that worked out well for me because since mm-hmm. I started doing actual composition lessons and stuff like halfway through my undergrad, yeah. I already had all like the theory and all our skill stuff, and yeah, like that. Yeah. So I had that basic training mm. in mind before. I guess even though I still wrote music before that, that's interesting though because you could. <laughs> what about all the people that don't like study music in college though, and they they create music, like contemporary uh, styles? You could. Yeah, yeah. So you don't necessarily. I mean, in general, I guess you could say you don't need a degree at all. You could write music at any. Oh yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But yeah okay that's i see the right point. right
0: um do you use like since we're talking about like academic foundational musical understanding do you now that you're kind of unleashed per se do you still use like a lot of music theory or do you just kind of freely write
1: yeah when i yeah so i don't know when i'm writing i don't necessarily think theoretically about mm. it i usually i'll sometimes I'll improvise on the piano or I'll sketch ideas rhythmically. Yeah. And then eventually, sometimes, depending on a certain circumstance, I might limit myself to a specific theoretical thing. Mm. Or if I'm trying to come up with ideas, I might try specific things Yeah. to help with that. But then once I get in like the groove and I'm just writing and stuff's coming out easily, I'm not necessarily thinking theory. It's yeah. just the ideas are coming out and I'm writing them down. And mm. then eventually, I try to craft it and put it together. And I guess the theory... And the oral skills and everything kind of helps with that. Yeah. Underneath, subconsciously, it's in the background. Yeah. And it helps. But it's not what I'm thinking about right.
0: as I'm doing it. Do you think it's necessary to have a theory understanding to be a quote-unquote good composer?
1: <laughs> I don't know. That's arguable. Yeah. Because Danny Elfman, I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His music's fantastic. One of the most well-known film composers in mm-hmm. He didn't wasn't really trained that way. Yeah. So I don't know. I I don't know. For me it helps. I like having that knowledge. I guess it depends yeah. on the individual. Yeah. And what they're writing, if mm. they need it or not. Um so what are you working on
0: now? <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so right now I'm just recently finished up a movement to a symphony I've been working on. Um and got that finished and orchestrated. A uh, current piece that I'm still in the process of writing mm-hmm. is this trio for the Sugarfish Trio. Yeah. A group of faculty members have a trio of, at um, UCO. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing a piece for them. That's currently what I'm working on. Yeah. So,
0: um. Well, I mean, you like... And then you have an album, right? Or a sort of... Oh, yeah.
1: So I'm having... Um, <laughs> this has been like... in the the process of happening for a while but the album I have an album titled Music for Memories that's going to be released Mm -hmm. in April
0: okay Uh, when in April I mean you're going to plug it again (laughs) at the end but we're plugging it now yeah so it's going to be
1: April 13th it's going to be the release date for like um, digital downloads and Mm -hmm. streaming and then also pre-order for physical copies of CDs which will be coming a little bit later yeah yeah
0: um where can people find all those things? <laughs>
1: yeah, so this can be found if you go like Facebook, go to my music page, you can see mm-hmm. information about that stuff. But you can actually go to this go to cdbaby.com and cool. that's how you'll order physical copies. All right. Or go to Spotify and Apple once it's out and just listen
0: to it yeah. that way. Apple music. Keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Uh more heavy philosophical questions. Uh what makes music important? <laughs> yeah, I think I think what makes music
1: really important is that it gives people a way to express themselves mm-hmm. and like release their emotions in a positive way and as opposed to a negative way. At least that's <laughs> how it's yeah, at least that's how it's been for me personally, mm-hmm. getting to create music. And when you're like you're playing music or creating, it's like the individual doesn't necessarily matter. Everyone's enjoying the experience together and creating yeah. something that's bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think music's really special for that mm. connect how people can connect to that.
0: Yeah. Um is that does that merit music being taught all the way down to elementary school? Like do you mean do you think it should it should be yeah, taught yeah. to elementary school for yeah. that reason? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um and then is there bad music
1: like genres and styles
0: well just i guess is there such a thing as bad music <laughs> uh, that's good that's a good
1: question I, I think um when music doesn't seem genuine hmm. then to me it's i don't i don't necessarily like listening to it yeah. i feel like a lot of Contemporary like, pop music is like that. Not all of it, though. But when music just doesn't feel genuine, it feels like it's all about just making the money. Yeah, And yeah. I, then I, I feel like it's hard to connect to and can't relate to it in yeah, that way. Yeah. But when music feels like it's genuine and it's coming from the artist and it's their style and their sound, then I feel yeah. like there's not really any bad music.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, What do you want people to get from your music if that makes sense <laughs> like yeah do you want people to be happy do you want people to have this message what do you want them to understand from your music so i think i want i want
1: people to be able to make, connect with my music i want to have like a positive um effect on like their emotions mm-hmm. and maybe it, I want it to be something that they can listen to and maybe it uplifts them or mm-hmm. improves their day in that way and I also want my I want to I like writing music about social isu- issues mm-hmm. so I want also to bring those to light and have people think about that stuff yeah, as well
0: yeah. um, is the well Is the live sort of like contemporary classical concert, do you think that that's a good way of presenting your music or does there need to be other ways of listening? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good question. That's, yeah, it's
1: really, really tough because, of course, not a lot of people go to concerts Mm -hmm to go see orchestras play. So that's a really tough avenue for composers now mm. to get their music played in just that typical settings. And it's like ev- people are coming to recitals or concerts maybe at the university level. Mm-hmm. And it's like musicians like playing for each other, for other composers. It's hard to yeah. get th- <laughs> to come out. I think... Um,
0: Sorry, what was the question? Uh, <laughs> other ways of listening to music uh, or is this way... Oh, I think good or not as good.
1: (laughs) I think I definitely with my music want to still have it presented in live performance settings because it's a totally different experience hearing it live than Mm -hmm. recorded audio. But I also want to present my music professionally recorded in like CDs in that way. Because I think I really like the control that you have as a listener Mm -hmm. when you can adjust the volume or like the mix with, the bass and treble and stuff and yeah, your yeah. own CD player in your car. Mm. And then, which is also a different experience from live live performance. So I, th- I think I want my music to be accessible that way. Cause you could also reach a wider audience that mm. way, but also continuing live performance. Mm.
0: Um, Do you expand sort of beyond the like simply musical realm? Do you go into like visuals or do you want, Other sort of mediums to be expressed through what you make? (laughs) Mm.
1: Yeah, I think I do wanna. One avenue of composition I wanna go down is doing film scoring. Mm -hmm. So at some point, I guess combining my music with visual in that way is something I'd wanna do. Mm -hmm. I also like collaborating with different areas in the arts. I recently did a collaboration with the OCU dance department oh, yeah. that Project 21 was a part of. That's cool. So they choreographed um, mm. choreography. They choreographed <laughs> choreography <laughs> to yeah, the music yeah. that we wrote. And then, so combining music with dance, I think, and combining mm. music with other art forms, I think is a good way to get more audience, mm-hmm. more audiences drawn to it because it's doing more than just only yeah, listening yeah. to music or only doing this. Mm.
0: How is performance for you different than making music yeah I find myself as I
1: continue to play since being a composer Mm. not really liking it as much as (laughs) composition because I like to I like to create music and improvise and make things up on the spot I don't really like being restricted necessarily to Mm -hmm. A specific thing. I do enjoy playing like new compositions by living composers or composers I know and stuff. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that's fun to see what they're coming up with. Yeah. I don't necessarily like playing all the canonic stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Old music that music. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um do you, I mean, do you still like performing? I do like performing, though.
1: I, I find <laughs> it fun. I think it just depends also on the music choices specifically that we're playing. Because mm. I, f- I can think of, like, a select few pieces that I've played that I really enjoyed. Yeah. The process of, like, David Maslenka playing his music, Michael mm. Colgrass, composers like that. And then there's also a lot of pieces that you play that's, like, <laughs> <"Neh."> filling <laughs> some time. <Like> a- <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Um... Is this kind of a weird thing that like when I was kind of picking composition and like sort of evaluating, basically I was asked like, what's your main instrument? And I was like, I'm a composer. Like is, is composition a primary thing like being a percussionist or being a singer?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely consider mm. it like its own field because there's so many different skill sets too. Like a composer needs to have in order to be successful mm. and promote their music because it's not just writing the music. That's such a small portion of it. Yeah. Another big portion of it is like the revisions, mm. editing, engraving music. If you do that yourself, yeah. And then <laughs> connecting with people, networking, getting players to perform your music, mm. promoting yourself. There's yeah. a lot of stuff that you have to do,
0: and that's. You're essentially not a composer at that point, you're a producer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of that stuff
0: you learn on the spot, maybe yourself through experiences. Yeah. (laughs) So it's there's a lot to it. Mm. How has or how does technology take part in your composition process?
1: Mm. So I guess it's different for the different stuff I'm working on. Mm. But sometimes I'll maybe open logic and I'll just improvise, record ideas Mm. that way. Or I'll have like a piano or something set up and Mm. that's how I'll initially start writing and I'll improvise, come up with ideas um, to start building a piece off of. And then um, before necessarily going into finale, this is more recent since going to OCU, it's Mm. a new uh, method that Dr. Knight Mm. teaches all the students that we do. So we'll sketch ideas on on paper, just rhythmic sketches. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what it is, just getting all your ideas out, yeah, as fast as possible. And then you start taking those ideas and crafting an architect design, or, which is just like a layout from measure one to the end on a piece yeah, of paper of yeah. what the whole piece is going to look like, kind of like an outline, a paper yeah, outline. Yeah. And then from there, we—that's sh- when I'll start and putting all that stuff into finale mm. and then revising it and getting it to what the finished product is. Yeah. That's
0: you know. what, what's a, I guess a hurdle that you keep coming across as you're trying to make music that you wish was somehow better. <laughs>
1: uh, like in relation to technology, could it be just anything or yeah, yeah. Anything. <laughs> I think one of the, Toughest hurdles and most frustrating ones is like the lack of performance of new music. I think mm. is really it. especially with like the major orchestras mm-hmm. in the around like the world in the US, yeah, they play all the same canonic stuff, yeah, yeah. And I I don't know, I, I think it needs a shift <laughs> to more at least a 50 50 kind of thing where mm-hmm. new composers' music is thrown in with that stuff, exactly. I feel like a lot of the times new music is treated as like an afterthought on the side Mm -hmm. and orchestras will have this set will set aside a specific moment where they're going to have future new music Mm -hmm. and then after that they go back to all the the (laughs) canonic stuff again and it's not really in my opinion treated with the respect it deserves Mm -hmm. of this is new music we should be we should want to hear that stuff more yeah exactly so that's I think Mm -hmm. one of the most frustrating frustrating things to come across but even with that there's a lot of great opportunities i guess out there for new music mm-hmm. i guess because fighting that that side mm-hmm. that's specifically why i really like this the thing we're doing with opera on tap yeah is because they specifically have this set up to promote local mm. composers and writing new opera music yeah so there needs to be more more like programs or festivals and things exactly. like that
0: um no and i, I really like that because i was actually just talking to someone uh like before I came here, about like, yeah, we <laughs> Beethoven nine is great, but we've heard it a lot already. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah. Um, how do you make a living making music? This is both like, <laughs> both, uh, just you know, general question, but also like. I'm poor. I don't know how to make a living <laughs> off of music. You know, like, <laughs> so I'm not fully making money totally
1: off right, of like yeah, yeah. just composing because I'm, I'm in school and everything. So mm. that's going to be a shift I'm going to take once I graduate Yeah, in a year to trying to do that. Mm. But I mean, all the work I do now and that I have in order to help to pay my rent and everything is yeah. all through music jobs. So I think I'm, I like perform. I have a church gig every week. I teach mm-hmm. at Elsa Stema this after music program mm-hmm. um, for like kids from like fifth grade up through mm-hmm. high school. And then um, I also compose music and take commissions like freelance. Yeah, yeah. On the side, so yeah. I think the best way to do is like a combination of money yeah. coming in from different avenues in yeah. order to make enough to sustain sustain
0: yourself. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Can't tell if like this is sinking or not, but I'm gonna like put it a little bit higher. <laughs> <laughs> so, get water. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <Okay. laughs> and I'm also like catching my train of thought or trains of thought. Um. <laughs> Um, what's your favorite film score? Just, just good, simple, uh, good, simple question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's really tough because I let, let me let me let, let me pick a handful because I can't yeah, yeah, just yeah, sure. go for it. So one I really like a lot is Man on Fire.
0: I don't know if I've seen it. Well, it's I a, have seen it. Denzel Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen it. I just don't remember the score.
1: Yeah, this yeah that was a Harry and Williams did that. But okay, it was <laughs> it. Was, it was, i love the ending of the movie because there's like all these different hit points that mm-hmm. he has to hit and make emotionally um, yeah, successful yeah. on the screen from when Denzel washington realizes that the girl's still alive mm-hmm. the mom gets to have her moment with the daughter and then he she realizes that he sac- gave up himself in order to save her mm. so like the music for that Spoilers ending is just amazing. for like it's a i know girl I, movie. I totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 10 year mark after the 10 year (laughs) mark it has to be okay for me to but yeah so that there's the music just for the ending that's so amazing because there's so many different things happening Mm -hmm. because of those different hit points he had to line up but that's one of my favorite i also like the whole like the Bourne trilogy jason Bourne trilogy Mm -hmm. with matt damon uh that was john powell did that okay that stuff is just so interesting because it's like and it's super, it's not like super complex or anything. Yeah. But it's like string orchestra and then a lot of electronics. But rhythmically, it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. It, the music's great. Yeah, yeah. So
0: it's like two, I guess, my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you play video games? Yeah, I do. Um. Do you have favorite game scores or soundtracks? Yeah, actually, I do. I do <laughs> have some. Um, yeah, so I.
1: I'm trying to think. One of the earliest games i guess i remember were playing that i really liked the soundtrack to mm-hmm. was the uh, legend of the dragoon okay have yeah you, have you played that
0: i haven't but i know like all those japanese like, yeah. soundtracks are top notch
1: yeah that one was uh like 2000 i think it came out it was mm-hmm. a playstation one game yeah, at the yeah. end at the end of the that council before the next mm-hmm. one came out but yeah the music for that's really amazing just because it combines a lot of like different elements mm-hmm. sort of like hip-hop with like the drum the drum beats and stuff mm-hmm. but also like yeah that Japanese RPG sound of course yeah, it's yeah. in there I also like um oh this one's actually older than the one I just said <laughs> yeah, this was for Nintendo 64 Turok Seeds of Evil okay wow have you
0: uh guess I, I don't know it but <laughs> like well I haven't played it but I know it yeah. the music for that was amazing and
1: yeah that that music's awesome it's pretty much like <laughs> orchestra Mm. but it's um samples i'm trying to think of the right i mean that like that old like
0: midi like 64 sound is but like to get a cool sound out of it is already (laughs) (laughs) um what is your i guess like ideal goal where do you want to be in your career at you know your peak whatever that means (laughs) yeah it's a that's a tough question I'm not really sure
1: exactly because I there's so I like writing a lot of wide variety of different styles of music mm-hmm. so I don't necessarily want to be stuck with only one avenue like only film being yeah, a film yeah. composer only video game or only an opera composer mm-hmm. or only instrumental music I want to write just whatever feels right I guess in the moment I want to yeah, write yeah. a wide variety I guess overall my goal as a composer I want to write music that has a Positive impact on people mm-hmm. that they can connect to and have a
0: good experience with. Yeah. Um, last one on this thing. Uh, what advice do you have for other composers that are starting out? Hmm. I guess advice would
1: be to listen to as many. Of, of wide variety of music and mm-hmm. listen to all, a lot of new music all the time yeah don't just listen to the same stuff all the time <laughs> listen to a lot of classical listen to contemporary popular music listen to mm-hmm. a lot of different things because that stuff's going to influence you yeah. as you're writing and then also um write like every day spend time on your craft writing something doing mm-hmm. something that's going to contribute to you as a music composer mm-hmm.
0: i think yeah So, I mean, we all know that there's a a very vocal political divide. Um, So, how do we reduce the division that has permeated our culture?
1: Yeah, that's a really tough issue. I think one of the hardest, the biggest issues is that people get different political parties they get so caught up in like they get so caught up in the other political party doing something mm. that they don't like or don't agree with mm-hmm. and pointing blame instead of thinking of solutions both sides are always constantly pointing blame back and forth mm. oh it was bush who did it this time oh now it was obama it was his fault and they're always mm. going back towards yeah whatever political party they're against blaming them for whatever the issues are instead of Having focusing on solving the issue, That's yeah. I feel like one of the biggest problems also with divide, mm-hmm. because people are so caught up in just arguing and
0: mm-hmm.
1: pointing blame. So I, I think the solution to that is not doing that, not <laughs> being able to objectively look at a circumstance. Mm-hmm. Taking people should take in information from multiple news sources mm-hmm. and develop their own opinion about something, and then having productive conversations with people about it Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be super angry conversations (laughs) pointing blame it should be right having logical discussions about politics Mm -hmm. so i had another thought about (laughs) i think another issue is that people also are hesitant to pay attention to issues that have pay attention to like the the things that people do that are wrong i guess mm. i'm trying to th- i should give a more specific example a lot of like racism is a good mm. example of this there's a lot of instances where um of racism that take place mm. and a lot of times it's not acknowledged mm. so i feel like that's similar also with politics and that yeah they're not acknowledging the issues that are happening or the oppression that different groups of people are feeling mm. and they write it off as not being important or them being incorrect mm. about it instead of trying to understand, I guess that just goes back to that, but I said, understanding, yeah, yeah. trying to understand um, the issues instead of
0: pointing blame. You know? Yeah. Um, well, and that actually goes into the question I was, oh, cool. uh, I'm about to ask, which is like, you, uh, just wrote a short opera about, uh, police brutality. Mm. Um, I mean, care to elaborate a little bit yeah, on sure. that? <laughs> so yeah, this is um,
1: something I've wanted to do for a while. And mm. so about, a, I guess about a year ago, I started thinking of that idea. I wanted to write another opera mm. about police brutality specifically. And text is a big weakness for me. I'm terrible at like <laughs> writing words. So I have an amazing librettist I work with named Olivia Wells mm. that I work with and she writes all the text for the operas we've worked on. So, yeah, that's something I really want to... Because I feel like a lot of times in the news, the victims are always um, vilified Mm. as a way to defend the cop's actions. And it's frustrating because people are so reluctant to admit that a cop did something bad Mm. in their circumstance. And I, I think people need the... Again, objectively, objectively look at that circumstance Mm. and take what the the story seriously of what took place Mm. instead of writing it off as oh, it was a criminal that deserved to die. The cop was just doing his job,
0: right? Um, So, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. (laughs) So yeah,
1: while so while working on this, we wanted to Olivia and I wanted to show an African American family and how they deal with a, a circumstance of police brutality. And then mm. we're also showing police officers their perspective mm. on it, the incident taking place. So it was really important to us that we got perspectives mm. from people of color. So it wasn't like we're trying to speak on an issue we don't necessarily face. Right. And I don't mean that to say like that um, white people aren't affected by police brutality. They are. But there's a higher percentage mm. of african-americans that are affected by that and minorities that are affected by it Mm -hmm. so we wanted to show that aspect of it Mm -hmm. so we wanted to make sure that we interviewed people of color to get their perspective on Mm -hmm. the issue and also interview police officers so that would help shape the text as it was coming along and then also help influence me as i'm writing the music
0: yeah um there's a there's a movie that came out recently um i think it was last year uh Called uh, blind spotting. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm, No, I haven't heard. But uh, more so for you and listeners, uh, (laughs) you should watch Blind Spotting because it's very uh, close to that topic. Um, But it's also about like race relations and gentrification and um, police brutality. Um, So like it really wraps that in a very intense but also like really down-to-earth film Um, plus it also has David Diggs and Rafael Casal which are like two of my favorite rappers so (laughs) Um, aside from you know the political stuff what well not even aside from but what are you optimistic about in our future because it seems like we have this growing sense of dread about what the future looks like, especially for like millennials and younger. Um, so, what are you optimistic about for our future? For our society as a whole? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: really hard to be optimistic right now <laughs> with like climate change mm. and everything looming over us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I'm I'm optimistic about music in general. I think mm. is that always just that's something I always just express myself through mm. and continually pursue, and that I f- I find positivity in that. Mm. And I think people creating and doing things together like that. I think is mm. positive.
0: Yeah. Um, on that, what do you think are avenues of exploring music and creating music and interacting with a community that uh, you feel haven't been accessed as much, or do you think that could be new frontiers for us in music? (laughs) (laughs) Mm.
1: Yeah, that's a, there's a lot, a lot of different, I guess, avenues to go down. I think one specific thing, like with what, we've talked about before Opera on Tap Mm -hmm. because Opera on Tap's the one um, premiering um, the opera I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So, and also your opera and Mm -hmm. Hannah Heldwigs. I think, at least in terms of presenting classical music in a live Mm -hmm. performance setting, having more... um, New music, contemporary music or... Having more like groups that are doing... I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of the word groups that are presenting music in a new way Mm -hmm. because they present music in a bar, singing arias from um, famous operas, Mm -hmm. or they do this 10-minute festival where they present new composers. So I think having avenues like that that tries to Mm -hmm. engage a wider audience that aren't necessarily going to go to the opera house to see opera on a daily basis. So I think finding avenues like that That present music to an audience that doesn't always, mm-hmm. that doesn't actively seek it out in that way. I guess mm-hmm. is interesting. A, a, a great way is that also commercially with film scoring mm-hmm. is keeping new orchestra music alive because yeah, like we mentioned earlier with orchestras playing <laughs> canonic works all the time and that's it. Mm-hmm. Mentioning that earlier, it's really hard to get new classical music out in that way and get mm-hmm. audiences to receive it, but having film scores in a movie where millions of people go and watch. Mm -hmm. They're getting exposed to that kind of music, like classical music in a sense, in a new way. Mm -hmm. So I think, of course, that's not necessarily
0: new, but like avenues like that to reach a wider audience. Um, How do we make music more accessible to consumers so that they actually buy it? How do we get people to buy music? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's tough. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that, yeah, that's always gonna be challenging, especially with selling classical music. Because mm. not a lot of people listen to it. So selling it in general is gonna be yeah. to be tough. I think um selling music through or I guess making money with your music through other avenues like streaming. Mm-hmm. Through like Apple Music and Spotify, I guess yeah, your ways, yeah. at least what little music you, what little money you get from the mm-hmm. streams, yeah, and then also um, selling actual printed music. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, like commissions and stuff too, are like some of the best way, at least for classical music, yeah, to yeah. try to make money, classical composers and this. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes you happy? <laughs> uh, what makes. My dog, Louie, <laughs> makes me very, very happy.
0: Uh, you can like list all of the things. Oh, all the <laughs> things. Or however far you want to list.
1: <laughs> I don't know, spending time with my close friends makes me happy. My dogs, getting the right music. <laughs> yeah, that makes me really happy. I'm Getting to be in a situation where I get to study music mm. and get to create music. Th- that makes me really happy too.
0: Sweet. Yeah. Um, what advice do you have for people in general? <laughs> people in general. <laughs> and I acknowledge that That's, these are very
1: difficult, but yeah. <laughs> I think in general, I think people should try to do, because I feel like one of the Biggest problems right now in in our country in general is like everyone's very selfish. Mm. Um, yeah, they're very selfish, and it's tough because everyone's everyone's looking out for their own best interests. Mm. And we live in a really tough world where we have to do that. Mm. But I think advice would be for people to try to do things for other people without expecting anything in return. I think it's yeah. simple small things just making small talk with someone you don't know, Mm. holding the door for someone, doing small things to try to give a little positivity to other people. I think it's something in general everyone should do Mm. more often.
0: Yeah. Last question. The hardest question I will ask. Cake or pie? (sighs) Uh, (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Why would you ask that? So I put it at the end, yeah.
1: <laughs> cake. Okay. Fine cake. I don't I, that's a tough question to answer. <laughs> uh
0: may I ask why cake? <laughs>
1: <sighs> I think I I would get tired of pie after a while. But I guess it depends too. Are we limited to one type of pie or just all pies in general and no, all types of like, cake in general?
0: Yeah. Which I mean, it's not like I'm saying you can't have one or the or like you can't have the other if you choose one. I'm just saying, like, which do you prefer? <laughs> oh, which one do I prefer? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't know. That, that depends on my mood and what I feel like having. I guess. That's but fair. if you had to choose between only one and the other one's now not going to exist anymore, is that?
0: I mean, you can take that, it that, that way. If interesting. You want. <laughs> I'd
1: probably have to. It would also depend on either all pies or all cakes. If it was all pies and all types of cake, I would have to choose pie. Okay. There's, I think there's a wider variety of tastes that I have than there sure. is with cake. Yeah. Because you have like <laughs> apple, cherry, and then you also have like the coconut cream pie and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. There's, but if you had to choose like specifically one type of pie or one type of cake, I'd probably go with the cake. What kind of cake? Uh, Yellow cake with chocolate frosting, I think.
0: Okay. You you got that that (laughs) nailed down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Chris, thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, Thanks for having me on. It was was fun. Um, Plug your stuff. Yeah, so...
1: Yeah, I can talk more in depth about the CD that I mentioned earlier. Do it. I'm uh, releasing the CD in April 13th for pre-order for physical copies, and then it'll be available for streaming then and digital download Mm -hmm. on... um, April 13th, like I said, but the title of the album is Music for Memories. Mm. So a lot of the music on the album is, um, is inspired by other people's memories and stories. And also Mm. some of my own, some of the two big issues that I talk about on the album are, um, sexual harassment Mm. in relation to how women are affected by it. And then, um, sexual assault. Mm. um, and that's why I wanted to release the album in April specifically hmm. because um, the Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Oh, okay. And then also, um, I'm I want to I'm donating all the proceeds from the CD to End Rape on Campus. Okay. And that yeah. specifically ties in because of the piece Two mm. Bicycles" I wrote on that. That's on the album, mm. and that that piece was originally inspired by. Um, the closing statement the Stanford rape victim read um, mm. to her her rapist and, um, during the trial. Mm. And that was a huge thing a couple of years back, that mm. case and everything that came out. So, um, yeah, that's an issue that's really important to me that I, it kind of makes
0: up the heart of what the album's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, find it, buy it. Uh, where can we find it? <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, okay. So you can find it on CD baby for the physical copies for download. Mm. You can find it. Um, it'll be streamed on Apple music, um, Spotify. Mm. And then you can also just go to Facebook to my music page, Chris Prather music, and you'll find, um, more information on the CD if you forget it or
0: whatever. Um, yeah. Anything else to, where can we find you elsewhere? All of the social medias.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. You can, um, (laughs) find my music on, um, Also YouTube, some video performances, SoundCloud Mm -hmm. as well. Just Googling Chris Prather music and stuff will probably come up. And then Facebook, Instagram. Cool. And all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, Once again, thank you for doing this with me. I'm Santiago Ramones.
1: Oh, it's Chris Prather.
0: (laughs) You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. do you have any concerts coming up? Because I'm about to plug a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, there's some. Uh, yeah, this there's goes some, up there's actually next a, Thursday. There's actually a concert
1: next Thursday. Okay, <laughs> you Well, so like on the 20th. today. Yeah, so today <laughs> I guess since this was that's going to be a Project 21 concert, and cool. the the theme of that is actually Ides of March. Okay. Well, okay. And the way we do that, at Project 21, we have something new we're doing this year. Mm. Also, if you don't know, I should explain what Project 21 is because that's, <laughs> that's just a group of music composers at OCU and we meet once a week and we plan out our concerts. We have a season of concerts every semester. Mm-hmm. We plan those out together and something we're doing this year is having a theme mm-hmm. along with our themes to every concert is having a different person from Project 21 represent, I guess, the concert and like talk during it and that's everything. Cool so that's actually mine that I'm talking all about right yeah next third today <laughs> today <laughs> yeah um in the future past of March. <laughs> so the music's like kind of
0: foreboding and ominous stuff cool a lot of uh <laughs> I think you have Hamlet is that Hamlet uh it's Julius Caesar it's Julius Caesar dang it <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was Shakespeare so, yeah Shakespeare <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah go to that um But yeah, you can find all the stuff that I do on my website, SantiagoRamonez.com. I make music. You can download my demo, Songs with Words, uh, on Bandcamp, or you can pay for it. You can find me playing experimental electronic music with Power Cycle on April 10th. That's a Wednesday at the Jazz Lab at 7.30. It is a free concert. There will be pizza. um, And there will be lots of other people Uh, playing with us so uh, a bunch of weird stuff and a bunch of kind of normal stuff honestly too Uh, (laughs) but experimental electronic music but most importantly free pizza Uh, (laughs) and that's April 10th at the Jazz Lab and then the next day is at the same place at the same time it is my graduate composition concert, performance, whatever you want to call it. I just don't want to call it a recital because that sounds boring. So mm. <laughs> uh, it's my graduate composition, performance, uh, machinations, a bunch of uh, electroacoustic music, electronic music, uh, exploring ideas in future and technology and androids, and uh, some songs inspired by video games as well. Um, so come see the stuff that I've been working on for the past two years, because this is like, it's the most important thing that I've put together so far in my life. So do it. <laughs> that's also free.
1: I forgot to mention. Yeah. When I mentioned that concert, that's tonight. I didn't mention location or time. Oh yeah. you should do that. <laughs> So it's at the Wanda Bass school of music. um,
0: At seven 30 cool. in medium rehearsal hall. All right. On the OCU campus. Yes. Go to that as well. That is very urgent. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But then later, go to the concerts on April 10th, April 11th, both at the Jazz Lab. I end all my podcasts with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.